0: Welcome to Wellbeing Wednesdays. I'm your host, Courtney Weaver. I'm the director over at Well WBU here at West Virginia University. Once again, I'm joined in our virtual recording booth by another campus professional. Her name is Akia Carter Bo- Bozeman, and she is the Oh my goodness. Prevention Specialist for Title IX and Equity Assurance. Uh, We are both recording once again from the safety of our own homes as we heed the instructions of our public health professionals and maintain social distancing uh, and help prevent the spread of coronavirus. So, hey Akia, how's it going?
1: Hey Courtney, it's going well, you know, just trying to maintain in this quarantine life i was telling a friend the other day i was like this must must be what people who are serving prison sentences feel like although my my apartment is much larger than a cell that you would be in but i feel like i'm like a prisoner in my own home right now because you can't really go anywhere it's springtime i'm 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 getting antsy my three girls getting antsy we're normally out and about picking flowers and in the parks and can't really do that right now so it's just maintaining and kind of still doing this prevention work from home, which is another interesting feat to do prevention education from the privacy of my own home um, online. So, you know, it's a new world out there.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about your work at the university?
1: Um, so um, as you mentioned, I'm a prevention specialist over at Title IX and Equity Assurance. We're housed under the Division Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. And so what my job is is to provide workshops Um, trainings, but also serve um, as an advocate for students and with students. And when I say with students, a lot of times in my job I like to um, empower students to speak up and stand out. Um, We, um, you know, are a big part of the It's On Us campaign. We've, you know, been doing that for the last five years within the division, getting students to realize it's on all of us to keep our campus safe. Um, And so from that we do bystander, consent, different types of workshops. I work with everyone from athletics to faculty staff to honors college, just anyone who's willing to sit down and listen on how to become an acting bystander and how to really use our stop act respect model.
0: Awesome. And so actually that's what we're gonna be talking about today a little bit on bystander intervention. Uh, So to start us off, uh, how would you, what is the definition of bystander and then what's the difference between a bystander and then an active or ethical bystander?
1: Okay, so in in reality, we are all bystanders in any given and every situation we may find ourselves in. So typically bystanders are defined as individuals who witness emergencies, um, harmful events or situations that could lead to harmful events. Um, by their presence, um, they may have an opportunity to either provide assistance do nothing or contribute harm. so when a person has an opportunity to provide assistance that 's stepping up using that stop act, respect model and saying something um, either being direct distracting or delegating um, they can do nothing they may walk away they may just like stand around and say hey i 'm not going to say anything but i 'm not going to call for assistance but i 'm not going to get out my cell phone and record and then there 's contributing harm you know those are those instances where you see um, Charlottesville for instance, the the rallies that happened there um, between the Black Lives Matter and the um, pro-white nationalist um, protesters. A lot of what happened was, you know, these people, the Black Lives Matter protesters were there and they were just peacefully protesting. And then you see adjutants from the crowd, from the other end come in. And then instead of someone stepping up and saying, hey, we all have a different point of view. We all are are entitled constitutional to our opinion. You see people adding fuel to the fire. And so sometimes by pulling out your phone and recording without going to get help or, or delegating someone to be that helpful factor, you're contributing harm. Or sometimes you join in what's happening, whether it's a sexual assault or an act of discrimination or racism or sexism, um, you, you're doing harm by standing by doing nothing or, or contributing to that harm yourself directly.
0: And so when folks see that a situation is troubling, how can they intervene? You mentioned already that we use at WVU the stop act respect model. So I wonder if you could talk to us a little bit more about that and how people can use that framework to intervene safely.
1: Right. Um, so when we ask people to stop acting respect, we're asking them to really stand up and be pro-social bystanders. And our partnership with bringing in the bystander curriculum has allowed us to provide um, different levels of education and workshops to faculty staff and students and so we're asking for individuals um, to intervene in a positive and have a positive impact not a harmful impact so when we're asking somebody to stop it's almost like remember those cheesy commercials from the 90s about like drugs and stuff where the person would pause freeze frame Mm -hmm. and see kind of like their brain working down breaking down things that's stopping so we want you to really stop and think about okay this is what i'm seeing let me process it this is what i need to do then we want you to act We either want you to delegate, we want you to distract, or we want you to directly intervene. Um, You can directly intervene by just saying, hey, you know, what's going on? How is this happening? Or, hey, that's not cool. If you see maybe um, a group of individuals carrying someone upstairs in the party and saying, hey, we're just going to go lay them down because they've had too much drink. It doesn't take more than two people or a person to... Lay someone down, but also why are we taking them to a secluded place? Kind of let's use our brain and then um, while we're acting um, We want you to make sure that you're remaining safe that the scene is safe um, And that you're able to safely intervene if not that's when campus PD your live-safe app um, Another a trusted mature adult comes into play and then when we're respecting things We want um, everyone to know that everyone sees situations from a different point of view not everybody sees um, rape is rape or assault as assault or racism is racism or sexism is sexism. Homophobia is homophobia or Islamophobia, all the phobias that we um, kind of combat um, within Title IX and other areas on campus. And so we want you to respect people's cultures, their ideals, their traditions, their beliefs, because sometimes it is a misunderstanding of the culture. You know, what's OK or what was OK growing up in your home may not be the social norm. Well, we don't know that if you've never been taught that's not an OK social norm or that's not OK behavior. You can't really get upset with that person, but once a person has that knowledge and knows better and is able to be a pro-social bystander, that's when we expect them to stop acting like
0: That's great. I really like that framework. the The one that I've operated from in the past, I haven't always gotten a hundred percent behind. It's uh, observe, question, act, and there was always the part of. What does question actually mean? Because the observe part, it's, hey, pay attention, kind of like that stop, like know when there's a problem or recognize when there's a problem and that you might need to step in. But question, people often thought that it meant, oh, well, that means like question whoever's involved and like, what's going on? And it's like, actually, no, that's not what it means. What it means is that you need is to- is this right? Is, is what I'm seeing Okay yeah like what's the worst thing that can happen if I don't intervene? like is this actually okay? Um, and then the act obviously goes to that, but I really like the respect part of that because there are certain barriers to intervening that we'll talk about in just a minute um, that I think that kind of reflects as well uh, so that's that's great. so why don't people intervene? I've heard of something called the bystander effect. I wonder if you could tell me. Right. About <laughs>
1: Thanks, Courtney, for that awesome lead. And I love it. Um, So a lot of times it is what we call the bystander effect, why people don't don't intervene. And so um, unfortunately, the more people that are involved in a situation or the more individuals around, the less likely someone is calling for help. Because in my mind and your mind, Courtney, if we're standing in a crowd, you and I as professionals who do this work, you and I automatically know, call 911, do this, we know how to intervene. But when we're thinking about just lay people, um, college students who are out having fun or even um, faculty members who are in a lab and they're all researching together and maybe someone makes a sexist comment, you know, um, you would think that You know you're like okay someone else who's above me is going to say something someone else is going to report this and so a lot of times people don't get involved because they think someone else is going to do something and someone else is going to help so for like after a football game in a large crowd and we see maybe you know someone who's passed out and they've had too much to drink or um and we see someone carrying them off it could be their parent it could be their brother it could be their sister But it's it's decency enough to step up and say, hey, do you know this person and how do you know them? Questioning because a lot of times the the person who may be the perpetrator is not going to be able to think well enough on their feet to answer those questions that quickly. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times um, I see with students and I ask students in my workshops, why don't you step up? Why don't you say something? And honestly, it boils down to fear, social fear, because socially, you know, I always tell students and I tell parents when we do our new student orientation, when we do these workshops during campus traverses, being socially accepted is the most important thing to them right now in this stage of their life. It's not food, it's not shelter, it's not getting a good job or getting A's in school as much as we would like to think it. But if we're not socially accepted, that is detrimental to us. That is that is debilitating in, in to a lot of students. And so if i know i want to rush a certain organization and i see something happening at a party before i'm even able to rush that organization i'm not going to say anything because then when i go to rush that organization they're going to remember i'm the person who went and got um first responders i'm the person who went and told that i'm the so i'm not going to be socially accepted and i hear that from a lot of the sororities that i interact with in the workshops that i do i do some female-only workshops to make them more comfortable um we call it our sister circle, where I get with them and their sisters. And we have real talk about this, these, these heavy topics that you talk about on your podcast. And a lot of them are like, well, I don't want, we don't want to be known as the organization who's not down and who's not popular. Mm-hmm. The Bystander Effect runs rampant on campus and in the community in different places. Because a lot of times we're taught to mind your own business. What happens in this house stays in this house. It's a big part of our culture, especially the Appalachian culture. And although we have a lot of students from out of state, we do have a lot of students from within this Appalachian culture that, we've, that we live in. And so sometimes the culture is stronger, and those cultures that are built within different organizations or different social um, groups on campus are stronger, which then kind of feeds and creates what we call our bystander effect.
0: Yeah. I think you see that often in residents life too, where if there are some folks on a floor who may be using substances that aren't allowed and no one says anything because like, well I don't want to be known as that person, even though that you
1: you might want want to be known because you wanna be able to be helpful and A lot of it is, think about it in high school, they're not talked to about these issues. Most of the young males and females that I've had workshops with on campus have not had proper sex education or even proper education about social interaction and healthy relationships. Mm -hmm. And so there's a feat within ourselves, within the Title IX office, and a lot of us in prevention ed is we have to start from the basics. It's not okay if your friend calls you stupid, that's not a friend. And I tell girls all the time, good love comes with jewelry, maybe an edible arrangement, perhaps a teddy bear, not a black eye. You know, it doesn't come with being demeaned and and even like even within fraternal and sorority relationships. I cannot call you my brother and sister and I have beat the crap out of you. And then when it's time for you to join my organization, oh, welcome to the brother. What kind of screwed up family is this? I don't want to be a part of this dysfunctional stuff mess. And that's what happens. A lot of students don't realize until they're in it. It's kind of like people with cults you don't realize you're in a cult until you're in it and you're too far in it. and you're like, Oh wait, I shouldn't have joined this in the first place. You don't see it from the outside looking in until you experience it for yourself. And so that's why we work so hard um, to make sure we tell students about bystander effect and how dangerous it can be, but also how they have every, every bit of the power lies within them to be able to combat um, bystander effect and the, in the issues that bystander effect can cause.
0: Yeah. It kind of reminds me of like, That tale of if you put a frog in boiling water, it immediately hops out. But if you put a frog in a pot of water and then start to heat it up slowly and then it gets to boiling, the frog will die because it'll stay in the pot. Uh, Right,
1: because it doesn't realize it's getting used to, it's adjusting to the temperature.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's what
1: happens. We adjust to the temperature around us and then we end up in dangerous situations.
0: Yeah. Um, and so we talked a little about if, you know, you're in a crowd, a group of people, you're less likely to help. But what are some of the other barriers to intervention, maybe like more on a personal level? Like I see something, what might prevent me from actually doing, if I'm by myself, for example?
1: Um, that, that is a big barrier that you mentioned, being by yourself. Mm-hmm. It is hard for one person to step up because, number one, you don't know the severity of the situation, you don't know these days people don't fight fair honey they got guns knives bombs all kinds of stuff um, but also you don't want sometimes when you're by yourself you don't know if you can get you and that person to safety mm-hmm. and then um, another barrier is maybe you've tried to help before maybe you've had a friend especially with intimate partner violence maybe you've had a friend you tried to help before and then that friend has turned on you Yeah. And they've said that you're the bad person, that you're doing this and you're making their life miserable. So past experience can keep individuals, life experiences can keep individuals from intervening. And again, you got to think about cultures. In some cultures, and we are a very globalized campus, a lot of different behaviors are acceptable and are okay. And so if in my culture that behavior is not that bad or taboo, I'm not going to say anything. Or if, um, you know, I had a student one time, he was so honest during the workshop, I appreciated him so much, and we were talking about intimate partner violence, and he was like, well, if I saw somebody beating up on a black queen, I would say something. I said, well, what about all the other women around campus? He was like, well, they're not my responsibility because I'm a black male, but that's what he had been taught to zone. And so again, you know, it's not that he doesn't think domestic violence or intimate partner violence is wrong, but his ideal, and I, you know, the room erupted in like, oh my God, like I was like, wait, wait, before we attack anybody, remember we're gonna be, we're, remember the ground rules we said, we're gonna respect everyone's opinions in this room. I was like, do you hear what he's saying? This is a, a, a cultural norm and belief of his. You cannot fault him for what he believes and what he's been taught. Just like you can't fault, we can't fault each other for things we've been taught. Mm-hmm. You only are able to do better. And after the workshop, he was like, Mr. Key, I see what you're saying. It's my responsibility as a male to step up in any situation. I was like, as long as it's safe, you step up. If it's not safe, that is what your LiveSafe app is for. That is what 911 is for. Those blue boxes around campus. Um, the people who run the dorms, this is what you do. You do not intervene when you don't know you're safe. And a lot of times, if you don't know if you're going to be safe or some people don't know what to say, they're afraid. They're shy they're timid and that's okay. That's their personality. And, you know, imagine being in a classroom where you great. Your professor holds the power, whether or not you pass or fail. And they're being racist or sexist, homophobic mm-hmm. towards someone. You're not going to say anything because at the end of the day, that, that, that professor, if not, you know, um, dealt with properly or not disciplined properly comes back and now they have your grade in their hands. No, I'm not going to say anything. Right. Because I'm here to get an education, especially if I'm a low-income student, you know, here on a scholarship, the promise or anything like that, and my grades depend on that, I'm not going to say anything. I may send an anonymous email, but these days, there's no such thing even as an anonymous email. Right. And I think a lot of students also know how the Title IX process works. Um, and so that's another barrier as well, is because sometimes they think they're going to be in trouble too, and that self-preservation kicks in. And so I'm going to preserve for self and I'm not going to worry about anything else because I don't want to be in trouble. I don't want to be the person who did this. And it's just, it's a lot of pressure and I, I do understand where students come from when they don't. I think they're all very well-meaning, especially in the workshops. They all know what to do, but you never know until you're in the situation, what you will do or how you will react.
0: Yeah. I think that's why it's so important to talk about indirect interventions as well. Cause you can always be like, get someone else to help you. Like if you're at the, a, Bar or club, like find the bodyguard or get the bartender or, or something like that. It doesn't always necessarily have to be nine one one, but there are a lot of different helpers around that can maybe lend mm-hmm. a hand and and help you out. Um, all right, so at in this part of the podcast, we do like to do a little well-being snapshot. So, do you have any examples of when you've seen the bystander effect in real life?
1: Um i normally during our trainings we facilitate um in our consent and ice cream because we tell them consent is a two-way treat kind of like the 20 so it's two ways or more if that's what you're into i don't try to judge nobody
0: don't don't, don't duck someone's young
1: and and so um this is a new program we recently started um using we piloted this beginning of the semester um, and so what happens is we kind of go into the bystander effect. We go into the bystander training, the models, and faculty, staff, and students alike join these trainings, and they learn everything about it. We watch videos. We talk and have discussions. We have other hands-on activities where we make pe- consent pizzas. And so then I put their knowledge to the test without them being known that they're tested, being tested. And so kind of let them go ahead and let their guards down and have everybody get out their ice cream consent card. And they pick on the card what they're consenting to, and so vanilla ice cream is just plain old vanilla missionary style sex. You don't want none extra, nothing you know, kind of kinky with it. And there's chocolate, which moves into the more um, adventurous, exhibitionist type of things. Um, and then there's there's different things on the bar. And so recently, um, I had an o- opportunity and the an honor to go to Potomac State, one of our sister schools, our, our sister campuses. And work with their president, their university president. And so she had just sat through my entire bystander consent training. And I asked her if she would oblige me by being my partner. She said yes. I took her, her sex card and I was like, oh, so vanilla ice cream. And each topping means something different. It could be, you know, you want to be tied up or you want to have anal sex. It just depends on what you chose on your card. And beside the topping, it tells you, you know, so you don't, you're not picking blindly. Um, and so she said yes and I asked if I could blindfold her she consented to being blindfolded in front of the entire room I put her card up on the large projector screen so everyone could see what she chose and I was like does everybody see what she's consenting to and I asked are you sure this is what you're consenting to she's like yeah I'm down for it um and so I handed her before I blindfolded her a bowl of vanilla ice cream with a few of the toppings she had requested and I said "You know." this will be so much better if you just trust me and, you know, you, we just go for it. And she's like, yeah. And I was like, how many drinks have you had this evening? And she's like, Oh, only one or two. I was like, okay, you are feeling good still? She's like, yeah, I'm feeling great. Um, and so then I leaned to another student who was in the room actually beside the Dean of students, Dean um, Taylor. And I said, go make me a bowl of chocolate ice cream with the following toppings on it. And the student did it. Um, To my surprise, because I'm thinking they're going to be like, no, that's because, you know, we're simulating how sexual assaults or different things can happen. So I'm thinking, oh, they're going to fight me on this. They're going to tell me. No, dead silence in the room. No one said anything. And so she's holding the bowl of ice cream in her hands, the vanilla and with the toppings. And I'm like, oh, honey, your hands are shaking. Let me help you. So I was like, let me hold the bowl real quick. And so I switch out the bowls. No one still says anything. And I'm like, are these, and I'm calling out from her card the toppings, but I'm putting the opposite toppings of what she consented to in the bowl. And so when she opens her eyes, she goes, this is not what I asked for. And she looked like indignant, like, Akia, how dare you? I was like, I know you're upset with me, the perpetrator, i.e. I'm doing my job. I'm the perpetrator. I never told her I was the perpetrator because a perpetrator's not going to tell you, hey, I really like having sex with people without consent. They're not going to say that. Um, But everyone in the room realized and recognized what I was doing. And so in our debrief session, I asked why no one stood up and stepped up. And one student said, well, you're the facilitator. How can we challenge you? Again, if you're the lead person in the organization or you're the the person with the power, the professor or, or the pledge master, whomever you may be, people are not going to challenge your authority. And then others were like, well, she was still laughing and she was still going along. I said, but she couldn't see anything. she didn't know what i was doing to her she couldn't and so part of it was i could see in the student especially the students faces they were beating themselves up about why and i was like this is what we call this is what happens when no one realizes how to be an active bystander or that pro-social bystander and so then we went through the stop act respect like we reround. okay so this is the moment where you all should have stopped and said hey wait a minute She just consented. We all saw it. We all heard it. We've all witnessed it, but no one stopped to think no one acted because anybody could have just said you, I was like the student who went and got me out here. I was like, you could have just said, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not producing. Like she didn't. But now that they know better, they can do better. And then we started talking about scenarios that they had seen on campus, things that had happened at this point. I have removed all the administrators and things from the room because they are still mandated reporters. And so I didn't want students divulging things to me as they often do in their workshops with faculty and and admin around. Not that we're trying to hide anything from them, we are not, but students need to feel like they have a safe space to talk Mm -hmm. and to process their feelings and their thoughts. Mm -hmm. And afterwards, a lot of students were like, now I feel more comfortable, I'm gonna know what to do. And I don't necessarily have to put myself in it. If I see someone take, like in the dorm, You know, and I know that person is not conscious and they're not able to consent. I can go and knock on the R.A.'s door and say, hey, this is what I observed. This is what I saw. Can you do something? I'm like, yes, that's all it takes. Or a simple text message to the other side of the room to your friend who may be standing by the door at the party say, hey, don't let those two out. Or, you know, you know, if you see a student or someone who's being targeted because of their race or their cultural identity or their sexual identity, this is how we can step up and this is how we can safely help um I didn't expect in that in that model I I honestly expected the students in the faculty and staff in the room to step up and say something I did because I'm like it was less than 20 minutes ago we just learned all this information but again we have to leave room for human error and as much as we're out here educating and providing we have to trust that people are going to do the right things even when it's hard to do and so a lot of times I feel like um, students really are well-meaning, and people are well-meaning, but they just kind of forget, or they get that kind of fear in them. Um, I I do this thing called love notes to the prevention specialist. Not that I want love notes or anything. At the end of my trainings, um, especially with the female groups that I train, and it's it's astonishing how many unreported sexual assaults we have, because in their love notes, everybody has the same pen and the same post-it, so. You don't know if you, if your sister beside you wrote it, or the sister behind you, or whomever wrote it. And these are stories we I get day in and day out when I'm doing these trainings with all in all types of groups and all types of settings. And so it's definitely happening. I just I just think as we move forward, being able to empower people that is the key piece to this work.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Me by myself, as much as I want to be the Wonder Woman of prevention ed and wear the really pretty cape with the P on it. Or, or the Title IX symbol, that would be even better, right? The Title IX, Roman numeral nine. It's not about me, it's about the students, the faculty, and staff, and educating them. And so, stuff like this podcast where people are able to listen, say, hey, I recall a time that this happened. Now I'm going to know how to stop Acrospect, or even tinging their interest a little enough to say, hey, I may want to stop by one of those workshops. I may want to take one of the virtual workshops, you know, because since it's COVID-19, I can't see you in person. Why not see you on the screen um, kind of thing? But I've, I've definitely, in this, um, learned that human error is human error, and people are human, and I, I, I got to take them where they're at. Um, but it was amazing to see how what an uproar the students were in afterwards, after the debut. They're like, Miss Akia, you tripped us. And I'm like, exactly. Just because I'm Miss Akia, the facilitator of this workshop, does not give me the right to do anything to anyone, right. or to say anything I want to anyone. I can be challenged too. I can, and even if you don't, you didn't feel comfortable challenging me in that moment, you could have gone to any one of the other administrators in this room and said, "Hey, this needs to stop." Even if it's within your own department, you know, going to and you keep going until someone listens to you. And that's what I tell students. Even if you're in a crowded nightclub, if you just start standing in the middle of the dance floor and screaming bloody murder at the top of your lungs, someone is going to pay attention. And as soon as they come over and think you're the problem, go, hey, this is happening over there. Just get the attention. Please don't yell gun, fire, bomb these call stampedes we don't want nobody getting hurt we don't want none of that being yo but we want students to be able to use the resources around them to make sure that each other is safe and we want to make sure our faculty and staff are safe and know what to do as well because sometimes they see things in their classrooms they observe things and maybe they don't want to believe what they're observing because you want to believe in the ability for people to be good nice people but that's not true all the time we know that is as, as researchers, we know that in the, in the field that we work in. Um, so we want people to know that there's information out there. Our Title IX website has some amazing information on it. Um, Title 9wedu has some things that you can go to. Um, you can always schedule a training, and even though we're not in person right now, I'm still taking dates. I'm still booked people. Um, you know, the prevention team is still here for you. We're still here to kind of answer those questions and, and get this information out there. All
0: right. Well, thank you so much, Akia, for taking the time to talk to us today. Really appreciate the conversation. And hopefully our listeners find some nuggets of knowledge that they can apply to their own life. Uh, so thank you to all those listening. And we will catch you next time on Wellbeing Wednesday.